Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college side of our flagship podcast here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Thanks again for joining us this week, guys. We took uh, Canton Bound off last week, so we'll apologize a little bit for that. Uh, Crazy holiday weekend here uh, kept everybody a little bit busy. But we did have, uh, if you guys did not catch it, we had a bonus episode of Campus Life prepared in the vault and ready to go for everybody last week. So we were able to release that. Um, so if you did not catch that, is a continuation of our regular episode from last week. We basically had like a three-hour episode that we just chopped in half and did first half and second half. Um, so check both of those out. The other announcement here, guys, that I just want to go over real quick. I don't know if you've noticed yet. Most of you probably have. There are more episode uh, podcast episodes showing up on the feed now. We are now adding every episode of Why Wait Till Sunday and every episode of Debbie Debate into our podcast feed, um, since those are all part of the C2C family of podcasts. Um, so if you guys have never checked out either of those shows, they're both uh, really good and really different. You know, I think we're kind of giving you guys a pretty broad away, array of topics. Um, so go check those out if you have not yet, or you know, if you've already listened to them or you listen to them elsewhere, feel free to ignore them as well. Totally your call. All right, so guys, we are going to hop into news here, and we really only have one news piece here for tonight, but I think it's going to prompt some interesting discussion. And Colin, I, I'm not going to lie, I'm a little peeved after this. Um, so if, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Uh, Lance Leopold, former head coach at University of Buffalo, took the head coach jo- head coaching job at the University of Kansas, or Kansas UK, it's KU, right? Kansas University. Yeah, yeah. UK is Kentucky, KU, Kansas. Yeah, I knew that would upset some basketball fans that listen to the show. I'm sorry, Kansas University. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. Don't hurt me. Um, And we we knew it was a matter of time. This kind of always happens. But this weekend, five Buffalo players, former Buffalo players, announced that they were transferring to Kansas and following Leopold there. And just a couple of the names – um, so, uh, offensive lineman, Mike Nowitzki, who was first team all Mac last year as a sophomore defensive tackle, Ronald McGee linebacker, Rich Miller, wide receiver, Trevor Wilson, who last year as a freshman in seven games had 16 catches, a little over 300 yards and three touchdowns and defensive lineman, Eddie Wilson, who started every game at Buffalo the past two years and was third team all conference there. And actually there's a sixth player as well, Michael Ford, another offensive lineman. So at the same time, Buffalo is offensive line is getting decimated. Not sure exactly what that will mean for Kevin Marks and the gang there. Um, but Kansas is getting a little beefed up. Colin, what do you think about um, the, the shift here uh, from all of these guys following their head coach across the country? I mean, it's it, we, you typically see one, two guys transfer, follow the head coach. Um, you know, to see six so far is pretty crazy. Um, I can't ever remember a, a mass exodus like this before. Um, I think it goes to show you the the amount of respect that um, you know Lance Leipold has um, amongst his players, uh, kind of in the you know college football community in general. Uh, you know, I, I don't really know any of these names because there's not really any. The, Trevor Wilson's the only offensive skill position player, and I don't really know wide receivers from Buffalo because that's been so run heavy. 
Um, I did, you know, a little bit of research. Mike Nowitzki was uh, first team all Mac uh, as at a uh, on the line. So, you know, that's a pretty big name there. Um, you know, you touched on, um, you know, some of the other guys there as well and the impact that they had previously. So, you know, these are some pretty big name guys moving over to Kansas. And, you know, I, I would expect them to start right away. You know, they're already familiar with Lance Leipold. They're already familiar with the in, the systems that he's going to want to run. Uh, you know, he's familiar with them. He knows exactly what he's getting. And it's not like these guys are, are you know, following him to, you know, Minnesota where they're going to beat out some decent players, you know, and I didn't say Bama because obviously that's like a little crazy, but he's not following them to an established roster. Um, you know, this is, this is not, it, we touched on before, Kansas is not a particularly good team and they haven't been for a long time. Um, so, I mean, this immediately bolsters Kansas's roster. I don't think it makes them, I, I ultimately, I don't think it'll actually have them win any more games, maybe one more game, but I don't think they were going to win more than two or three games anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely interesting to see them all follow him basically across the country. Um, you know, I don't know. I didn't look up the distance here between Buffalo and Kansas, but it's not like it's in the backyard. Um, you know, they're not going to Syracuse. This is all the way across the country and there's nothing in Kansas either. So, you know, it's not like they're moving to, to Florida, you know, following him there. They are strictly following Lance Leipold. Maybe they're going for the barbecue. That's a good point. Yeah, it's a lot of big boys in there. I mean, a lot of O-linemen, a lot of D-linemen. You know, maybe they just really want the pork, you know? And yeah, can't, that's can't true. I mean, yeah, they're tired of the buffalo wings. Yeah, they want, they want, yeah, some, they, they want some a little different. Yeah, yeah. Buff you can only beef up so much on buffalo wings. If you really want to beef up. You got to get that southern that southern cooking. Um, so I don't blame the players for following a coach that they obviously like. Mm-hmm. This is just so fucking sketchy from the head coach. I'm sorry, but it is to just raid your former program. I don't know what the solution is because the kids should be able to go wherever they want to go and play. But like, I hate this personally. I, I really, really do. Um, I don't like that that they can just follow this head coach like this. Um, but again, I don't know what the solution is. You know, you can't, we're, we're trying to open some things up for these kids, give them more opportunities. I don't know. I, I really don't know. I just woke up and saw that this morning that there were six of these guys heading across country and it just, it started my day off wrong. I'll be completely <laughs> honest. I had, I had to drive back home across the state today for my in-laws and it just, it ruined the whole day. Yeah. I mean that, it doesn't bother me that much. Um, I mean, yeah, def- definitely kind of sketchy there to raid your, your former team. Um, not really a great look overall. Um, you know, like I said, usually you see like one or two guys go and that's like to be expected, but I mean, he's getting, bringing some pretty significant starters with him. So like I said, yeah, I'm assuming that these guys are going to come over and make an impact right away. So yeah, I mean, that's, I'm with you there. I don't think there is a solution to this because I'm very pro player. I think these players should be able to go wherever they want pretty much whenever they want. Maybe that's not the decision that I would make, but I'm not in their position. I wasn't a good enough athlete to, you know, get to pick my landing spot anywhere that I, you know, not anywhere I wanted to go, but, you know, to move from Buffalo to Kansas and have an open spot there or even any of these transfers, you know, to to have the opportunity to go play at a different school uh, when it's not quite working out for you the way you thought it was going to at your current school. 
Now, some of these guys, it was working out for them. They were starting. So that's, you know, where it's, like I said, a little bit sketchy there. Uh, so I'm with you. I, I don't, I don't hate it as much as you do. Uh, it didn't, it didn't, you know, upset me to the point where I had to crawl back in bed for another 30 minutes to go back to sleep and try and wake I up. Didn't on say bad. I didn't say that happened either. Jeez. <laughs> I was painting a whole picture try. that isn't even there. Come on. I was, I was to say you had to go back to bed 30 for an extra 30 minutes and then get up on the different side of the bed. Um, but yeah, I, it doesn't upset me that much. Um, but yeah, this is not a great look. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it just kind of bothers me and I, it, it's not as bad in, in football. Cause you'll see it happen in basketball too. And I yeah. think in basketball, like we have like 13 man rosters, it's total bullshit. Um, <laughs> football at least eases it a little bit, but I don't know. And again, I just have a problem with allowing these transfers so late in the year. To be completely right. honest, I think at this point in the year, I think we had this discussion a couple of weeks ago. Um, there should be some parameters set up as to where that one year waiver, you know, not super restrictive, but May 31st, like the, it, it, there's no other freshman out there to go find, you know, like the, it, there's not a lot of other opportunities to go recruit to fill these gaps that you thought were fine. Um, you know, just a couple, just, you know, a couple months before everyone's coming back on campus. Um, so, Again, we talked about that then and we were talking about it now. I don't know what the solution is. They're going to come up. They're going to have to legislate this at some point because this shit's going to get out of hand. It just yeah. really, really is. Um, I think this is just the start. And I, I mean, I haven't heard any rumblings that this, there might be more kids going. Yeah. I mean, we didn't if You see all your teammates bailing. Yeah. Why not? Like, why wouldn't you call, you know, you guys still have coach's number and number hasn't changed. Yeah. <laughs> Ring them up. Say, how's it going coach? What's, what's up? How's Kansas? <laughs> Oh yeah, the barbecue's good. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've been meaning yeah. to get out that way and check it out. Maybe I'll come swing by campus sometime. You don't get 500 inches of snow every year. Hot dog. I'm there. <laughs> Loading up the car now. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think they are going to have to legislate this at some point um, because it is going to get out of hand. But at the same time, like I said, I'm very pro player. I think these guys need to be able to make the best decision for themselves because you see coaches do it all the time. Everybody in college sports is always out to be able to make the best decision for themselves. And the players are often the ones who get screwed over um, the most. So, you know, when a players take a little bit of power back, I'm all for it, but yeah, this is, this is a little much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so not, not a lot of other news this week, you know, there are some rumblings that Eric Kilbert was going to Georgia, but I, I've heard nothing substantial, um, confirming that. So I, we're not going to go into that or anything. Um, the saga that's never going to end. Um, speaking of a guy that's waiting until the last minute to make a decision. <laughs> um, so we, we have a, a large middle part of the show here tonight, guys, and we're calling it understudies. And basically the premise of what we're about to talk about for the next uh, 30 to 40 minutes is this. We went through all of our ADP and um, it's so the, uh, the ADP on the site is going to be a little different than what we're talking about here because we have updated uh, ADP for May. that's going to load onto the site uh, the middle of this week. Um, so we're going to be using numbers that are maybe slightly off if you're trying to follow along while you're listening to the show or something. Um, but we went through all of our ADP. And just, you know, all the drafts that we're doing this year, all that kind of stuff. And we picked out players that we would just way rather have the cheaper option at the same position on the same team than the more expensive option. It's one of those arguments where someone says, you know, well, at cost, I'd rather have the, the, 
the, the, the lesser guy. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about tonight. And in some of these cases, the lower rated guy probably is not even the lesser guy. They just aren't the sexy pick for whatever reason. And so they are going, you know, some of these cases significantly later uh, than, than their adversary at the position. So I think this is going to be a really fun episode. Um, we have, let's see here. Let me count how many guys. So we have, we have four quarterbacks plus a couple honorable mentions. We have four running backs and it looks like we have three or four wide receivers as well. Um, so a lot of guys to talk about here, a lot of different situations um, and a lot of, both CFF and Debbie talk here tonight. Um, so we'll go right into quarterback here and Colin, Colin put this one on the list and <laughs> I just like wish I was there to just give a big old pat on the back and say, I'm so glad you finally came around, buddy. I'm so glad Colin, <laughs> Colin, Colin, Colin is here to hype up Sawyer Robertson. So Colin, take it away. So, Sawyer Robertson is going later than Will Rogers in these drafts. So there is that caveat as well. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm coming around more on on Sawyer Robertson or somebody other than Will Rogers as the starter there. Um, I think on one of our very early shows, um, you know, I was all bored Will Rogers. You know, I, I want the quarterback in a Mike Leach offense. I don't care who it is that's starting. Uh, you know, I don't care if I have to roster three of these guys at the cost that they're going at. It's it's fairly reasonable. I don't care if I have to roster three of them. I want the quarterback in a Mike Leach offense because I know they're going to put up points. You know, I detailed back on that show about, you know, just how dramatic year one to year two is in Mike Leach systems. And the I think it was seven of the top 10 all time pass attempts leaders in a single season were in Mike Leach offenses clearly not a coincidence. So I want this guy. I want the starter in Mike Leach's offense and everything coming out of Mississippi state has signaled that this is wide open. Um, you know, will Rob, will Rogers did get the first reps in practice, uh, but also uh, tr transfer from Southern miss Jack Abraham. Uh, he actually looked the best in the spring game. Uh, they also had another incoming freshman who enrolled early Daniel Greek, who got some reps, but Sawyer Robertson is definitely the most highly recruited of the bunch. Uh, he is a four-star. Uh, he was the number, uh, where was it here? I had it. Number 10 uh, pro pocket or pro style quarterback on 24-7 sports. So he's a very highly rated recruit here. He is uh, in the top 200. Uh, by all services. And he's also in the top 15 all time in Texas high school football history in career completions, touchdowns, uh, passing yards. And I mean, he put up video game numbers at school. Now, that school also ran air raid style, uh, an air raid style offense, which, yeah, there's, there's Mike Leach, um, air raid style offense. So he's familiar with that style of an offense. Now, it's going to take an adjustment. I don't know if he's going to start you know, year one here, um, you know, Mike Leach has said that, you know, it's open and that the competition is going to remain open when he enrolls here, which I think was today or tomorrow. Um, you know, he's going to get on campus there for, for the summer session and maybe he dazzles. I don't know, but given his ADP and given how much I want somebody at, at the quarterback in a Mike Leach offense, 
yeah, I have definitely come around on Sawyer Robertson. I'm, I'm so happy to hear you say that. Um, I, I like Robertson and I actually think like I, from what I've been hearing as well, you know, I think I like Abraham more than Rogers too. I'm leaning that way as well. Like I, I, I if I'm in a draft and it's the 40th round, I think I'm going to be stashing Jack Abraham places. Yep. And that it just has as good of a shot as anybody. Um, an experienced guy where he was a Southern miss before, right? Yeah, he was at Southern Miss. He's one of, I think it was three quarterbacks to ever throw for 3,000 yards in a season for them. Um, he had he got derailed a little bit last year with a concussion. He didn't play the full year. Um, so his numbers weren't that great last year. But, I mean, he's a good quarterback in his own right. Yeah, so, I mean, that you basically, instead of putting Sawyer Robertson, you just could have put not Will Rogers there. We could have had that, <laughs> we could have had that discussion. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Um, so just looking at the ADP for this month, um, I do not believe Rogers has been selected at all across any of our drafts. And I have, I have three drafts done and we're waiting for two more that are very close to being done. So instead of putting them up May 1st or June 1st, we're going to wait a couple of days just to, to have more complete data here. Um, but just looking at it, Will Rogers has not been selected at all. And actually, let me, I just want to see if he was selected in, in April either. He was selected in one of our four drafts in April. So the kids, the kids been selected probably in one of the last nine drafts. Um, so not, you know, not, in March though, his ADP was one ninety two. So, yeah. So, and then Sawyer Robertson was not selected at all last month. Um, but this month his ADP is two thirty six. Um, so I, I don't know if people are adjusting or what exactly is going on there. And Jack Abraham, I know for a fact has not been, he's not even in our database right now. No. Um, in turn, like for, for which we only add them to the ADP when they've been drafted somewhere so far. He hasn't been drafted anywhere. Um, so it doesn't really matter what we think of him unless one of us takes him in a draft and then puts it in. <laughs> he ain't going to the ADP anytime soon. No. Um, so, um, so I put Tyler Macon here for my first one. I feel like I kind of am always talking a little, you know, here and there I'm saying, you know, Tyler Macon, Tyler Macon, Tyler Macon. Um, but I just think he's a screaming value right now. You know, this past year he was the uh, QB 33 in the composite. Didn't get to play his final year because Missouri uh, did not play uh, football this past year. And I don't even know that they made it up in the spring. I, I haven't, I had not heard that they'd done that. But so, so Macon ended up going to Mizzou, um, toolsy kid, really, really toolsy. You know, he's not a, a great rusher, but he is a, a solid rusher and he's mobile. Uh, he can do things with his legs, really nice arm strength, um, supposedly looked pretty good in spring. You know, I don't know that he's going to take that job from Basilak, you know, anytime, to, anytime soon, but they were saying that he didn't look any worse than Basilak. And I think he's the more toolsy guy of the two. I don't think Missouri is going to be particularly good this year. I mean, I don't think they're going to be like the the dregs of the SEC. That's I think that spot's reserved for Vandy this <laughs> this year. But um, they're not going to be near the top either. So you know, a, a team that maybe at some point looks to make a change or something happens to Basilak, I think Macon gives that offense a little something else and can you know if, if he's one of those guys where if Basilak gets hurt and he comes in, I'm not sure he's giving that job back to Basilak just because I think he's going to be able to do some things that Basilak can't do, but they can't in good conscience bench the kid that they started as a true freshman last year. Like I, I think it's just kind of one of those situations. So I don't, I'm not you know, counting on him to start. I just think he's a better player. I think if he gets injected into that offense, not only is he a fantasy uh, gold mine, but I think he will certainly not be any worse for a guy like Mookie Cooper 
or um, oh, I'm trying to think of the other freshman wide receiver they bring in this year. He, play, he played with Macon in high school. Dominic Lovett, he's a four-star yeah. kid as well. Um, kind of a Marion Brown-esque, like very similar size and skill set, um, you know, that skinnier type kid. Um, but regardless, um, Macon is basically not going in any of our drafts right now. And um, I will say that Basilak got taken, and no offense if the person who's listening to this did this, but got taken stupid early in one of our drafts this, this <laughs> month. He went 157 overall. Um, no offense. I would not advise taking Connor Basilak 157 overall in any league. Um, just I'm not sure that there's there's no rushing upside. So right there, I'd rather have you know Cornelius uh, Brown the fourth or KJ Jefferson or. Uh, Brennan Armstrong or any number of other guys um, that offer that kind of floor. So um, all that to say that, yes, I would, I would way rather have Tyler Macon um, who's not being drafted than Connor Basilak, who's going two fifties, three hundreds. Yeah. I mean, I think Connor Basilak's fine as a quarterback. I, you know, I, I don't think he's really anybody that I want for C2C. Because, like you said, there's no rushing upside. Missouri is not particularly a high-profile offense. I don't really see much of an NFL future for him. So I'm probably not taking him anywhere. So, yeah, I'm, I'm completely on board with you with Tyler Macon. I, you know, I think that the rushing upside alone intrigues me more than Basilak. Um, like I said, Basilak was fine. You know, he had some, some decent stretches last year. So he's going to get the start this year. But... You know, I don't. I don't think there's anything that says that he's that that Tyler Macon can't step in there and play. You know, instead of him, um, you know, I think that, like I said, it's 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 a it's a situation I'm not super interested in just because it's Missouri's offense. But if I'm taking one guy, yeah, I'll take Macon. I think like they have some tools there. They really do. You know, like I mean, I don't know that 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 offense is going to be amazing. But I think it could surprise a few people. I don't know. I mean, maybe I think too highly of, of Mookie Cooper and, and some of these other guys. But Well, I think I it's know. a little bit different there with Mookie Cooper. Um, I think that Mookie Cooper can definitely be fantasy relevant. But, you know, I think that there's a difference between one receiver being fantasy relevant and a quarterback being fantasy relevant because we have systems like, like I mentioned, Mike Leach's system. You know, you have other air raid systems. You have um, Utah State has um, Arkansas State's former head coach. So, you know, maybe go snag somebody over there that I would potentially rather have in the last round of my draft than have to actually spend draft capital on Basilak at quarterback. Or, you know, there's like I said, there's just other systems out there that if I want production and, and I don't care if they're going to be an NFL prospect, I would just rather have them over players from Missouri. Again, Mookie Cooper being an exception, you know, I think that he can still you can still be fine as a receiver in an offense that's not necessarily prolific if you're the system, only option. System is king. System is king. Yes. Um, so who is the other guy that you put down here, uh, Colin? Uh, the other guy that I put down um, here on the sheet is Baron Morton, uh, quarterback, fr- incoming freshman quarterback at Texas Tech. Um, he is the understudy and, and the true understudy for Tyler Shuck. Um, I do expect Tyler Shuck to start this year, um, but I like Baron Morton. Um, and we're, we're talking about with systems. I think that Texas Tech still has, you know, it's not Mike Leach, um, you know, throwing the Graham Harrell offense, but it's still a up-tempo, fast-paced offense. It's going to put up some good numbers. Um, 
So, you know, I'm definitely interested in the quarterback that's playing there. You know, I know we we give Tyler Shuck a lot of crap, um, but I am more interested in him now that he's on uh, on, on Texas Tech than when he was at Oregon. Uh, but I think that if if Tyler if Tyler Shuck plays well, uh, you know, I think that he I could see him going, you know, try, declaring for the draft this year. Um, I've seen some buzz about him being a, a top ten quarterback in this class. I've seen some people talking about him being a sleeper in this quarterback class in the, for twenty twenty two for the NFL draft. I don't necessarily buy it, but you know, we'll, so we'll see how he looks this year. We'll see kind of what the buzz is. But either way, you know, I think he only sticks for, there around for two years. Um, and Baron Morton is a guy who, you know, he was uh, a highly, fairly highly regarded prospect. He's a four-star guy. He was the number 16 in the composite, but he was the number 10 at 24-7 sports. Um, you know, he's he's a guy who can move pretty well as well. Um, you know, he's, he's not going to be Caleb Williams out there. Um, but I think he's, you know, plenty athletic enough. He throws well on the run as well. Um, looks like he has pretty solid arm strength there. Um, you know, I think it'll be, end up being NFL caliber there. Um, now he was in a, he was in Texas, which is impressive, but the numbers he put up were at a little bit smaller of a school. It was three a, um, so it's not, you know, the six a school in Texas putting up this, but I still think that, you know, he's a quality quarterback going to a program where I want the quarterback for that for fantasy purposes, even if I have to wait a year, maybe even two to get it. Um, and, you know, I think that, like I said, he's there's, there's an outside shot that he could uh, take over for Tyler Shuck because I don't really think that much of Tyler Shuck. Don't think it's going to happen, but it wouldn't be the craziest thing I've heard. No, it really wouldn't. Um, I, Here's my, here's my thing with Tyler Shuck, though. Like, I, you and I don't like him, and I think anytime I read, especially CFF stuff online from, from guys, you know, like Thor Nystrom or mm-hmm. Mike Bainbridge or Nick Marquise or any of these guys, they they are all also work working under the assumption that Tyler Shuck is not very good at football. But then I read all these mock drafts and stuff and, then like, the, the odds for the Heisman and shit, and he's yeah. on them. Mm-hmm. I don't – so – Maybe the NFL really likes him, and, and and in relation to that, maybe that coaching staff is gonna like absolutely love him. I, I honestly don't. It, it perplexes me, but I know every year there's a couple of guys that that pop up in these preseason mock drafts. Um, who was that kid from Miami a couple years ago that was mocked in the first oh. round? Um, bit like to Brad Kaya. Yes, Kaya, and ended up going in like the sixth round or something next year. Yeah. In the NFL draft like that happens for a guy or two every year. So so Tyler Shuck. Is this year's Brad Kaya maybe? Because um, I don't see anything in that kid's game. But again, you know he's experienced. He's been around. Um, you know it's 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 hard to get a freshman quarterback um, starting a lot of the time. Even though we want it to happen, just yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a tough ask. So my my last guy that I put down here is Evan Prater, the quarterback from uh, Cincinnati, and. I think I've been pretty um, clear on this show and in my writing and everything that I just don't like Desmond Ritter is a really good college quarterback. There's zero chance of barring any sort of injury without injury that, that Evan Prater takes Desmond Ritter's job this year. I just don't think that Desmond Ritter is going to be a quality NFL quarterback. I see a lot of issues with him. I think his arm is suspect. Um, 
I think his decision-making can be suspect at times. He's a really good athlete, though, so that's going to give him that floor that the NFL seems to be coveting now. So I'm not saying that 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 he's going to take a job from Ritter this year. But this is Ritter's last year there. I can't see him staying another year. Um, if he's there for another year, something's gone wrong, and then it's it's the whole situation where maybe he does get usurped by somebody. But after he leaves next year, Prater – one of the highest rated uh, quarterbacks to ever go to a G5 school. Um, he was one of the top dual threat kids in last year's class. Uh, turned down offers from a lot of big places because he's from near Cincinnati there and ended up staying home and going to Cincinnati. Um, and he is that that athletic, you know, he's he's Ritter. He's, he's Ritter. If Ritter looks in the mirror, he's going to see Evan Prater standing there. Uh, just a tall, lanky, smooth athlete. I think as a, a senior in high school, he ran for like 20-something touchdowns. Um, you know, he did have to work a lot on his passing, but you could see the tools there. You know, big arm, uh, you, know, you know, obviously mobile, fast, big and strong kid too. You know, he, he can break some tackles. He did a lot of that in high school. So, and Prater, this month, his ADP is 203. So he's a little more expensive than some of these other guys we're talking about. Um, but, I mean, Ritter's is 78. And the guy that's going to take Ritter's job, I, you know, I don't, I, don't always wanna, I don't always say this on the show, but I've been getting, you know, you guys called me two milk toads the other day when we had to do our, <laughs> our Debbie debate show. So I, I will personally guarantee that, that Evan Prater is the starter after Devin Ritter. I, I will 1,000% guarantee that. So – if you have, you know, have a team where maybe you're thinking I'll slow play the first year here, or so stack up on some guys that maybe aren't going to play, and then just roll the league year two, year three. Um, if you're trying to employ that strategy, I think that he's Evan Prater is the kind of guy that you need to take. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I don't think you're really going out on a limb there. Uh, you know, with your Evan Prater that takes over from for uh, for Desmond Ritter take. I mean, I don't know. Who I the guaranteed it. I guaranteed it, though. You did. You, you did, and I don't think that was going that much out. I mean, I guarantee that Apple stock is going to rise in the next ten years. I'm can't wait to wake up tomorrow and like Apple's broke and they're going away. And I'm going to call you in ten years. In the next ten years, their stock will be higher than it is today. I promise that. I guarantee that. Um, but no, I I, I think you're right. Um. I think Evan Prater is the guy to take there for next year. You have to wait a year. But like you said, if you're implementing a strategy where it's like, you know, maybe I'll punt a little bit in year one, take some of these guys in year two who are looking like they could potentially, you know, take off. Um, you got Evan Prater, Jackson Dart, um, guys like that, Ty Thompson, you know, take a couple of guys like that who are looking like they're way better for year two. Um, yeah, I, I would definitely be on board with that strategy. And, and I like, I like Evan Prater's pro potential probably a little bit more than Ritter as well because I know what Ritter's pro potential is and I don't think all that highly of it. But I think Ritter's going to have some good production this year uh, on the college side. So I don't mind taking uh, Ritter on the college side because I think he he's going to be a top 10 quarterback in this upcoming class. Now, whether he'll actually be NFL fantasy relevant, I don't know. But he'll get drafted. So I don't mind taking Ritter either yeah um and we put a couple honorable mentions here and they're not guys that we're really going to dig into too much here um mason garcia uh kid who's at east carolina was was getting some hype last year because he you know eh, 
once it, once Josh Allen hit, everyone's like, okay, who's the next Josh Allen? We're looking through these lists, and you see, you know, this this big athletic kid with a cannon for an arm, but really questionable, uh, you know, mental and technical parts of the game. Going to a small school in East Carolina, everyone said, "Sign me the heck up." Uh, we all knew he was going to sit behind Holton Allers there for a year or two. Uh, Holton Allers got injured at one point; I think he had a concussion. It's or it was a COVID. I don't remember one of the two. It was it kept him out for one game, and um, so Garcia suited up and was crap. He was he was really really bad, but I think everyone also expect you know he was not ready. I don't think they wanted to play him if they could have helped it. Um, he below fifty percent completion percentage, just it was bad. It was bad. If you want to go watch like really bad quarterback play for a game, go find it. Go find that game in the vault somewhere. It's it's really really bad. Um, but you know, giving it giving him another year, he might be a post hype sleeper, so to speak, um, where you can get him for very cheap and. Allers is cheap too, so you know I don't know. Um, you can probably snag both of them if you really, really want them. Yeah, see, that's the thing too. You you could snag both of uh, Garcia and Allers. Like I don't think they're going to cost you very much there. And you know, Eastern East Carolina was a, an offense that we profiled a while back as well. Is you know something that's got some potential there. Um, so yeah, I, there, that's a situation where I don't really mind stashing both of them because I don't think you're going to have to spend much on Mason Garcia at all. No, 30, 35th round pick, maybe. Yeah, it's a, it's a total just, you know, late you throw it in there. Um, I also put Jalen Milrow on here. See, that's an interesting one because, I mean, technically it's not an understudy that you would rather have than Bryce Young, I'm assuming. N- yeah, so th- this is a little slightly different because I, I wouldn't yeah. rather have him than Bryce Young. And I don't even think I'd rather have him at cost. But I he was my fourth just – when I do my initial rankings of all these guys coming out of high school, I rank them on talent alone. I ignore situation because that stuff can be really fluid over spring. And then once we start getting some spring information trickling in and everything, then I'll start accounting for it once we have some hard info. Even if we think, you know, we were pretty sure Jalen Milrow wasn't going to overtake Bryce Young, but you never yeah. know. So he was my fourth rated kid in the class, and there's zero shot that he's going to play there. He's going to transfer. He definitely is going to transfer because they have that five-star kid coming in next year. And I'll probably, yeah, yeah, and I'll probably grab another five star kid in the next class. So Milrow is going to get squeezed out. And I don't even think they really wanted, they wanted uh, Drake May. And then he ended up going to UNC. And I think Milrow was kind of their safety kid. Yeah. So, but I I think he's going to transfer somewhere. And this is going to be another, you know, Mookie Cooper situation where all of a sudden his value, his ADP this month is going to be, is looking like it's about 196. Might shift a little bit depending on these last two drafts, but. That, that's some really good value for a guy that could be worth, you know, if he goes to a I'm trying to think of a school that utilizes a, a more mobile quarterback. Um, I, I'm blanking. I don't know. He goes to UCLA, <laughs> Dorian Thompson, there Robinson leaves. He goes to Love UCLA. It. That's a, that's a great situation to be in with Chip Kelly and an offense that's yeah. that, that is going to use a mobile quarterback. And that's like, he's going to be like a, a fifth or sixth round pick. If that, if that kind of move happens. Yeah, I'm I'm very glad that I sat there and waited for you to to come up with the school there because I think that was a perfect example. Like if he does go there, like that's a very that's a very good situation there for him. And yeah, he would absolutely fly up draft boards if you, if he were to go there. You could see the wheels turning, but there was like okay. not a lot happening. There was, there was a little bit of smoke puffing out, and I was like, well, something something's coming. I don't know what it is. We, we did it. We did it, Colin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you have any guys that you just wanted to toss their name out real quick as, as a guy that is going to bump up at the quarterback position? Or are you ready to, to move on to the next next position? Um, 
just the guy that I want to at least just mention um, is Carlos Del Rio Wilson, just because I, I think he's going pretty late. Um, you see, occasionally see him get drafted at times, but I think it's very uh, pretty infrequent. Um, like I'm in a, in a, a draft right now, and I think we're in like round 35, 36, something like that, and, and he's still on the board there. So, um, you know, his value is all over the place, but I don't really think that highly of Emory Jones or Anthony Richardson um, as a quarterback prospect. Um, you know, and, and even, if, even if Emory Jones does play well, like you're already hearing a little bit of buzz for him being an option in the 2022 draft as well. Um, like you've mentioned a couple times, like the NFL – it seems like the NFL is maybe swinging or at least like a lot of people in the media and draft circles are swinging too far in the mobile quarterback direction, which could lead Emory Jones to be bumped up boards and he could potentially leave this year. Um, and then I think Carlos Del Rio Wilson is, is a solid option there at a Florida offense for, for next year. Um, the guy just to, to mention, you know, to, to take at a late draft if he's available there. That's a good, that's a really good shout. Um, so thank you for th- throwing his name in there. Running back, Colin, who's your, your first guy here? I'm really, really sad that you're finally going to blow, <laughs> blow up my spot. I've been like purposefully not really talking about this guy on this show. But, yeah. um, so the guy, are you sure you want me to talk about it? Yeah, no. I mean, I, I the drafts that I'm in right now, I think I'm past <laughs> the point. I think I've grabbed him in both of them, so it's fine. Um, I mean, the guy that I'm going to talk about here, uh, running back uh, for Tennessee, Jabari Small. Um, he is sophomore there this year. He saw a little bit of action in all 10 games last year as a true freshman. Did do a lot of work. Um, 26 carries, 117 yards, four catches, 24 yards. Um, you know, so he got a little bit of work, but you know, you just saw Eric Gray transfer out. You just saw Ty Chandler transfer out. It's a pretty open depth chart right now. And all reports out of spring have been, you know, wheels up for uh, Jabari Small. I mean, you got Tyon Evans, who came in, who is getting some hype from some people. Um, You have incoming freshman Jalen Wright also getting a little bit of hype from people. But everybody around Tennessee is saying Jabari Small is going to be the breakout player for this year. Uh, In fact, if you just Google Jabari Small and then you know, just find the first article that comes up. It's probably going to be an article saying he's going to be the breakout player of for Tennessee. Um, you know, he flashed a lot here in the uh, in the spring. Uh, he was running with the ones there. Looked really good in the spring game as well. And you know, I think he's uh, Josh Heupel's offenses are known as like high high volume passing attacks, but an underrated aspect is you know UCF's offenses under Josh Heupel have also averaged over 200 yards per game on the ground it's been spread out and it may be spread out a little bit this year as well um, given some of the other guys that I mentioned but I still think Jabari Small is going to have a fantasy relevant year this year Um, and I I mean he doesn't get talked about at all and Jalen Wright like I said Jalen Wright and Tyon Evans are going higher in the ADPs um, I don't think Jabari Small got taken anywhere, if I, if I remember correctly here. Um, and then you have Jalen Wright, um, who is going. Uh, I don't think Jalen Wright's going actually anywhere here, and at least not that I can see on the sheet. 
Um, but Tyon Evans has an ADP 152 from March, 182 from April. Um, so people haven't quite caught up to Jabari Small yet. I think the Tyon Evans ship has kind of sailed. Uh, he hasn't really been going places this month. Um, so I, I I think it's coming down to Jalen Wright, who is getting some hype, and then um, and Jabari Small. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, basically every draft that I've done, I've waited for Jalen Wright to go, waited like two rounds and shaken Jabari Small. And he fits into this triangle of guys like that I – I try to get a running back in every draft with Raheem Sanders, him, and a guy, an honorable mention we're going to talk about here in a minute, Caleb Hood, as just like stash running backs. I think could have job, could have those jobs within a year over some more popular names. So I like that you tossed Jabari Small in there, um, even though I'm blowing up your spot a little bit. It's okay. It's okay. The world had to know sooner, sooner or later. Um, so might as well, you know, bring the cred here to the show a little bit. So I think I that's have, the first time you've ever said that about me. Yeah, you know, you should you should probably you. you know like print out the the timestamp uh, on that one. I'm, yes, I'm going and, to and frame it a little bit. Um, so I my first name here is a tough one because I think if you talk to any CFF guys or anybody that that knows what the, this depth chart is going to look like, it's so obvious that the, that that the understudy is the starter this year. But the the other guy is going so much earlier. Yeah, talking about Britton Brown from UCLA, and there's like been no signs that Zach Charbonnet is going to take that job this year. Now I don't know exactly what the split of touches is going to be, but it sounds like Brown is going to be the even if it's not the bell cow, you know, get the get more touches than Charbonnet. And Zach Charbonnet is going uh, 96 overall in our ADP, and Britton Brown literally is like not even like a twinkle in someone's eye in these drafts, like just not know what he's taking him. Nobody's considering him at all. Um, you know, a six, one, two, ten kid uh, transfer from Duke last year was his first year at UCLA, but on a per touch basis last year, he was very efficient, you know, 82, t- 82 carries 543 yards. So 6.6 per carry four touchdowns. Um, it can do work in the receiving game too. You know, I didn't look to see how exactly that, that broke down. Cause he only had six catches, but 84 yards. So I don't know if like he had a lot, like, you know, like an 80 yard one or whatever, and then like did nothing the other five, but um, you know, so it's so on a per touch basis last year, he was very, very explosive. Um, sounds like he can probably catch the ball, which is, which is needed in, in a chip Kelly system there where they've, you know, Demetric Felton this past year caught a ton of balls and converted to wide receiver or whatever. He's going to be in the NFL. Um, so, you know, it, it's a much, it's a much improved offense from 2019 to 2020. I think it'll continue to, if you know, marginal improvement or, you know, stay the same, but it, it was a good offense last year. Um, and I think Britton Brown's going to be the, the beneficiary of that. Um, so, and like I said, Brown, Brown's not going anywhere. So all I'm saying is, you know, round 30, 35, if you're looking for a, a college producing running back, go get Britton Brown for a year. Uh, yeah, like I mentioned the the um, draft that I'm in now. We're, we're around, like I said, like 35, 36 ish. Britton Brown's still on the board. Um, a guy that I'm also targeting late as well. Um, now, I also I do like Zach Charbonnet. Like I mentioned before, I do think he can have a career resurgence at resurgence at UCLA. Um, and I know, like you mentioned, it hasn't really seemed like Charbonnet has taken that job right away. Um, I'm still not writing him off, but you do have to, you know, 
take process the information that we're given. The information that we're given right now is that Britton Brown is looking like he's going to be the one. So Britton Brown needs to rise and Charbonnet needs to fall a little bit. Um, I'm not ready to, like I said, to write off Charbonnet, but that just highlights how big of a value Britton Brown is, like you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Who's your other guy here, Colin? Uh, yeah, the other guy that I have on here is uh, Lawrence Toafili. And <laughs> Lawrence Toafili's cheating a little bit uh, because his ADP is very, very close to um, Deshaun Corbin, who is the guy who's ahead of him. Um, in February, Lawrence Toafili was 129. Corbin was 150. Uh, March, Cor Toafili 126. Corbin 129, uh, April Toffili 191, and um, Corbin 167. So May, I can give you May numbers here while we're oh, okay. while we're on here. Um, subject changed slightly, but I can't imagine these guys moving too much here. So Corbin is 180, and Toffili is 238. So about a you know five round gap right. between the two, more or less. Right. So it's it's kind of converging, and people are kind of catching on to Corbin being like the number one guy there in that offense, or the, at least it's looking like he is uh, going to handle the, the number one workload in a uh, Mike Norvell offense, which we've touched on before. You know, I like the, the running backs in that offense. So you may be saying, well, if you like the number one guy and you like Corbin so much, why are you uh, in on Lawrence Tofili as well? And there's actually been some rumbling out of camp that he may get some work in the slot this year as a slot receiver. Um, he is a former Wildcat quarterback um, coming out of high school. Um, so he was learning the running back position as well. He's just a great athlete. Um, you know, he caught the ball pretty well. And, you know, he, like I said, they're, they're looking at potentially using him in the slot a little bit here, uh, which is something that Mike Norvell likes to do. Um, you know, he used Antonio Gibson as a wide receiver, mostly uh, Antonio Gibson turns into a, a running back in the NFL. Um, you know, he would split out the Henderson, Tony Pollard at times when they were there. So, you know, there's no reason that, yes, I like Corbin. There's no reason that Corbin and Toa Feely can't both be productive. And I think that Corbin probably leaves this year. Uh, and then Toa Feely has that backfield pretty much to himself. Uh, there really isn't anybody else there that that looks that great. There's um, a walk-on uh, running back. Um, I think he's running back. Walk-on Corey Wren. Um, and then there is uh, DJ Williams, transfer from Auburn, who has just pretty much fallen on his face, um, you know, since flashing a little bit at Auburn. So there's not really much competition for him next year. Uh, so he'll have some fantasy relevance this year, and then I think it's wheels up for him next year. So I'm not going to lie. This is like when you were, you were talking about the other running backs on the roster, it reminded me of like when you watch a, um, like a documentary about like somebody who like, according to the documentary has been wrong, wrongfully convicted and you watch it and you're like, what a miscarriage of justice. <laughs> and then like, you actually look up the case and they're like, yeah, they walked in the door and he was standing there over 12 dead bodies with a chainsaw, like covered in blood. <laughs> and they like used all the other facts around the periphery to paint this picture. This guy was like innocent. Um, Cause Cor Corey Wren was a pretty highly regarded athlete coming out of high school. He ran like a 10, 300 in, mm -hmm. in high school. Um, it's just a really athletic kind of pass catcher, smaller kid. And DJ Williams, I mean, only lost the job in Auburn because it was tank. Bigsby. 
So I, mean, I think like that, that was a very like uh, you know, <laughs> glass half full scenario for, for Toa Fili. Not saying that he isn't the most talented back behind Deshaun Corbin on that roster. I don't know if I could say that definitively or not. Um, just <laughs> it struck enough. me as you were describing the situation behind him. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't agree with any of that. Fair enough. I, is Corey Wren the wide receiver that I'm thinking, is he the running back that I'm thinking of? Or does he, is he a wide receiver? He's um, a he's, I, well, I don't know what they have him listed on the roster as now, but he was, I mean, he's like a five, nine, one seventy kid. And I believe he was in last year's class. Okay. So I, I don't know if he's technically like a, you know, what he's listed yeah. at anymore. So, but he wasn't a walk-on. There was a walk-on guy. I don't know oh. why Corey Wren's name was the one that was sticking out. Gotcha. Um, no, I, I know that Wren was. He's a he's a big track guy. You know, he's okay. a dynamic return guy. Um, could well, feature a little bit in the passing game, but I'll have to I'll have to look that one up to see who the the walk-on guy that I'm thinking of is. Um, but because maybe it wasn't Corey Wren. I don't know why the name Corey Wren stuck in there. But fair point on DJ Williams. Um, but he hasn't done anything this spring either. You haven't heard any rumblings about him this spring. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, talking about Toa Fila last year, I mean, he averaged, um, you know, 13.7 yards per carry in the last four games of the season last year. Um, he had he led all players who had at least 10 carries from um, after the month of October. Um, you know, he had a ton of, he had a ton of big plays. Um, he had a big 73 yarder against Duke. So he's very explosive as well as an athlete there. So I, I think that coupled with, you know, him getting some time to learn the position is, is going to lead to him being the guy to own there next year as well. But fair point on Ren and, uh, and Williams. Uh, that's one of those analogies where, as I say, I'm like really proud of what, <laughs> of how it ends up turning out. So uh, hold your applause, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so my, the second guy I put here is Jalen Mitchell, the running back at Louisville. And I've been saying this for a couple months now where uh, for, for Cooley and Edmonds who are kind of, you know, we're going to, we're going to talk about Jalen Mitchell here. And then our honorable mention is Caleb Hood. So it's is, <laughs> is good of a time to kind of have this discussion. And I was saying, you know, Cooley and Edmonds were going pretty early on, in startup drafts. You know, they were going in like the 70s or the 80s. And I was saying, you know, if you're going to take one of those two running backs who, you know, we think we like them, but we haven't seen them play college football. And especially in the um, uh, the case of Cooley, who didn't play at all as a senior. So we haven't seen him play since his junior year. We, we think we like them, but we're, we're not sure exactly what they're going to look like. And we think it's a little bit presumptuous to just say they're going to go right in there and get the lion's share of the carries. Um, so I've, I've been saying, you know, if you take a Travion Cooley in the eighth round, then it doesn't kill you to, in the 25th, take either Hassan, Mahler, uh, Hassan Hall or Jalen Mitchell. And I've been saying Mitchell is probably probably the one that, you know, he got a little bit of work last year. and Hall did as well, but I, don't, I, I think he's maybe more – of a complimentary guy than, than Mitchell who has feature size uh, about five, five, 10 to 20 or so. Um, and, and Mitchell's a, he's a battering Ram, but he's yet he, he had a couple big runs last year and he gets some work. They're saying that he won like their, um, their special teams award uh, for the spring at Louisville here. So I think he's a little more dynamic than we want to give him credit for. Um, so, so all this same basically that I, I don't think we can assume that Cooley is taking that job. And especially if you took Cooley early, then I think you have to take Mitchell just to uh, to secure that backfield um, if you're looking for some sort of production there. And, you know, I don't know exactly 
Louisville is really weird here. So their head coach Satterfield has been there for two years. Their offensive coordinator got poached this offseason. And as far as I can tell I, from everything I've read and their official website, they didn't promote or hire an offensive coordinator because they already had the maximum amount of uh, position coaches that you're allowed to have. I guess it's 10 or whatever. So they didn't hire anybody and they didn't promote anybody. And nobody even has, you know, like receiver coach slash offensive coordinator or whatever on, on the site. So I don't know exactly what their situation is, but assuming that it's the head coach, you know, the, 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 the running back, the main running back has gotten 60% plus of the running back carries there the past couple of years. The Malik Cunningham eats into the, the, the grand total a little bit, but when you subtract him out, um, Javian Hawkins has gotten over 60% of the touches. Um, so if Mitchell gets over 60% of the touches, that's a valuable guy for fantasy purposes, even if I'm not 100% sure how much NFL upside there there is. You know, I, at, at best, maybe like a third-round guy or something like that. I, I feel moderately comfortable saying that I don't think he'd ever be more than that. No, I'm completely with you on Jalen Mitchell. Um, like you said, we, we think we like Travion Cooley. I think I like Travion Cooley. The one league that I took Travion Cooley in in the freshman draft, I also made sure that I grabbed Jalen Mitchell, who was also available in the supplemental freshman draft. Um, you know, so yeah, absolutely. That was great advice. If you're going to take Cooley in, you know, the eighth or so round, which is where you pretty much have to take him because he has been getting a good amount of hype because a lot of people think we think we like him. You take Jalen Mitchell a little bit earlier than you think you might have to take him in round 30, you know, take him in round 28. Um, you know, you want to make sure you get him because I think you brought up a really good point. I, I, I mean, I didn't know about the offensive coordinator thing. That's interesting. It's an interesting little nugget. Um, but I, I don't think that it's by any means a foregone conclusion that Cooley just steps on campus after missing an entire year and automatically takes over that backfield. I think it's far more likely that Jalen Mitchell starts the year as the bell cow, like you were talking. And then, you know, Travion Cooley, you know, learns the system. He gets his, you know, back into playing shape, not playing shape as in he's out of shape, but like gets the feel for the game back a little bit after taking that full year off and then comes on towards the end of the year. Um, I think that's far more likely than, than just assuming Travion Cooley is going to step in and, and right out of the gates and just burst out, come out hot. Yeah, no, man. So I think that that's a pretty accurate uh, summation of that situation. And then Caleb Hood as well. Like we said, he's an honorable mention here. Same thing with him and Kamaro Edmonds. Um, and <clears throat> that backfield's even probably a little more difficult just because of, um, you know, you have um, Ty Chandler there who we know is going to get touches. I think we all know you're higher than Chandler than I am, but I, I know that he's going to get touches there this year. I think we just disagree a little bit on his long-term outlook. And then, um, you know, they have uh, British Brooks there uh, who looked like crap in the bowl game, but he's, <laughs> he's there and they have uh, Henderson as well. Josh Henderson. Josh. Um, so who flashed a little bit in the spring game this year as well. So I think, um, you know, if you take Edmonds early, you better be trying to, read everything you can coming out of Tar Heels land to figure out who, who the other guy might be there to, to give a little bit of a cuff or an opposite cuff. I don't know what we want to call that, but <laughs> you know, whatever the situation calls for. Uh, yeah. I'm, I love the Caleb hood call as well. Um, he was a guy that I highlighted back in episode 11 as a freshman spotlight. Um, and you know, the, he was a quarterback in 
in in high school and he was not actually a quarterback. He could not really throw very well. So, um, you know, I was, I was glad to see that he recognized that. Um, now he did take the, the whole year off this past year. Um, you know, he didn't play this year. He, he just spent the whole entire time working on the technical side of the position, um, you know, and working on his hands, uh, at all to go around along with being just an Uber athlete already, you know, four, four forty at, uh, 232 pounds or 235 pounds. Um, you know, he's an athletic freak. And I think that, like you said, there's a lot of uncertainty there behind Chandler, who we know is going to get touches. Um, you know, I think the other guys will rotate in. I don't think it's going to be a situation like last year where Javante Williams and Michael Carter get all of the touches. I think it's going to be spread out a little bit more. Um, you know, so, and I think with given how late Caleb Hood goes compared to Camaro Edmonds, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely grabbing Hood uh, over over Edmonds at ADP. Edmonds, kind of like Cooley, has gotten a little bit out of control with the ADP into a situation where I don't end up with him. I, you know, Camaro Edmonds, I think, might have been the very first player that I talked about on the, on the show in the freshman spotlight, potentially. Um, I don't remember that far back, but I, I'm kind of out on Camaro Edmonds at ADP. Yeah, I'm just and and like we've talked about too, you know, because again, you know, we 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 will sit here and say I don't want to project Kamaro Edmonds over the guy that's there, and then you go on, oh, they have George Petaway coming in next year, who looks good yeah. too, and then it's like, well, okay, um, can't have it both ways. But I think just being aware that there's you know another top back coming in next year, uh, job doesn't get any easier uh, to take away for for Edmonds there, um, so difficult to forecast overall. Wide receiver here, Colin. Um, so you have a guy. I, I'm trying to think who I've heard that like that likes Jeff Foreman. There's somebody that I know that that always you know says you know uh-uh, not Corey Rucker. Jeff Foreman's the one I want. I have to think about who that is. But why why are you putting Jeff Foreman down here? Uh, well, a lot of it has to do with the ADP. Um, you know, Corey Rucker is a guy that you're gonna have to take in I don't know round twenty or so, maybe twenty twenty five range. Um, you know, he's a guy that has gotten some buzz. Um, you know, he's a guy that what his ADP in February was 129, which that's too high. Um, you know, March was 217, April 293. Uh, do you have May's handy here? I do. Yeah, you just want to. You just want Foreman's, or do you want Rucker? Rucker's Rucker. dipped Rucker. every every month. He's yes. 243 right now. Although that yeah. is subject to change a little bit again based on these last two drafts okay. that we have coming in still. Yeah, I just I just wanted Rucker because Foreman doesn't even have an ADP, does he? No, I don't think he's been added yeah. this month either. Correct. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, that's the thing. Like with Corey Rucker, he has an ADP. You know, you he's on people's radars. You have to take him a little bit earlier. Um, and you know that, <laughs> like you mentioned before, that bowl game where he put up was like three hundred yards. Um, you know that kind of put him on everybody's radar, and he, everybody's kind of seeing that now. So, but then you look at Jeff Foreman who at the end of the year, he ended the year with three straight 100-yard games. Um, he had three catches for 148 yards and a touchdown uh, against Texas State. He had five catches for 111 yards against South Alabama. And then he had four catches, 144 yards, and two touchdowns against Louisiana Monroe. Um, so he ended the year three straight 100-yard games. Um in the regular season there. And I believe he had a hundred yards in that bowl game as well. Um, 
I, I don't have that one in front of me. That this The stats don't have the bowl game. I'm not entirely sure why. Uh, but I'm pretty sure he had 100 yards in that bowl game as well. It just wasn't what Corey Rucker put up. Um, but he is a guy who's basically free. Uh, you know, he's he's not really going anywhere in drafts. Um, he's not really a guy that you hear anybody talk about. But he had a great start to the, a great finish to that year. And, you know, Corey Rucker outside of that 300 yard bowl, like bowl game didn't really do anything. So as much as I like Corey Rucker, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he is the guy to step up in that offense. I don't think that you can just project him into Jonathan Adams Jr.'s production um, and just assume that that's what you're going to get out of him. I think it's more likely that it's going to be spread out a little bit. And I think Jeff Foreman is a guy who, like I said, he's, he's basically free and has just as good of a shot to put up some good numbers this year. And and I will say, you know, we, we broke down the Arkansas state offense. Um, it's been a couple months ago now at this point. So we talked about how, you know, the, the yeah. progression from Omar Bayless to Jonathan Adams jr. And then you know who we thought was going to take that job. But, uh, you know, Arkansas State has produced, has had a couple of years in the, in the recent history where their, their wide receiver one obviously tears it up, but the wide receiver two does pretty well as well. I know in 2019, it was Jonathan Adams Jr. He put up 62 catches, 851 and five. Um, has about like, I mean, Bayless had 93, 16, 50, and 17. So it wasn't Bayless level, but that's a solid wide receiver two season. Then the year before that, um, Bayless, uh, it was, um, it was Justin McKinnis and, uh, Kirk Merritt actually Merritt put up, uh, 83, 1007 and, and McKinnis put up 61, 748 and five. So they, they've had, um, the, the second wide receiver hasn't been a slouch either, but yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the number one guy is obviously a gold mine. If you can predict who that's going to be. So I think that's that's more than a, a fair enough shout there. Um, I I put down I only really put down one wide receiver here because I think this is a hard one without uh, cheating a little bit to kind of come up with an answer. You know, you can we can talk about the Georgia wide receivers or, or the Ohio State wide receivers um, or, or the Alabama receivers or somebody like that and try to come up with a guy. Um, but I, I put down Tory Horton, who's a wide receiver at Nevada, and we talked about him. We did the we broke down the Nevada offense as a, as a G five offense that we like moving forward um, months ago again as well. And, and Horton is, he's 6'2", 175. You know, he was, did pretty well last year as a freshman, 20 catches, 336 yards, five touchdowns. So solid year all around. Um, his big problem is that he's just so far down the depth chart, in my opinion, in terms of like mouths to worry about feeding, you know, you have even an offense that, that threw the ball about 40 times a game last year. And I would assume will be around there this year, plus or minus maybe a couple on either side of that. But you have Elijah Cooks there, who's another guy that I could answer this question with because he's his ADP is 300 plus. And I think at cost, I would way rather have him than Romeo Dubs, who's at 123 overall ADP. Cole Turner, the tight end, who's at one ADP of 158 overall. So you have those three. And then you actually even have Toa Tawa, their running back, who last year had 31 catches. And his ADP is 229. So, and Horton has no ADP. He hasn't been drafted across any of our drafts yet. Uh, it might be a year too early kind of thing for him where last year he excelled, but there was no cooks missed, missed um, the entire year, I believe uh, with an injury. So I, I, without injury, he's not going to do anything again this year. I can pretty much, I feel pretty safe in saying that, 
Um, but after this year, you know, Dubs, Turner, and Cooks may all be gone. He's he's probably the guy there. So um, you can buy him a year early, sit on him, and then have him probably do some things in 2022 and beyond. Yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, ever pretty much everybody's like gone then after that. Now, Strong will be as well, so we don't know the quarterback situation. But, you know, I feel pretty good about Horton beyond this year as well. So provided they get some competent quarterback play, I think that's uh, he's he's got potential to just skyrocket next year. Uh, yeah, I, I think that he's going to you write these articles every offseason and you're talking about Corey, Corey Rucker and Tyquan Thornton and you know, these guys that, that are going to step into the next wide receiver one or prolific offense. And next offseason, those articles are going to be about Horton. So take him now or to don't take him this year toward the end of the season. Toss him if he's a free agent. Toss him as your last guy in your bench. I, I do that at the end of every season um, with a couple of guys that I think have that potential. So he, he's very much that guy. Um, and then you have one more wide receiver here, Colin. Um. Yes, uh, I have one more guy on the list here, and that's uh, Elijah Badger. Um, is a guy that I've talked about a little bit here, so I don't want to go crazy talking about him here. Um, but Elijah Badger is a guy that is that he's been making a lot of waves here in the spring. He's an uber athlete. Uh, you know, he didn't play last year, so he kind of gets forgotten about because he had some issues, you know, with credits and academics. Uh, but seems like that's all been resolved now, so he should be good to go. And Elijah Badger, uh, no ADP in February, uh, March, it was 228. It was 210 in April. Um, and then you have LV Bunkley Shelton, who is also a guy that I like. Um, you know, this isn't a knock on LV Bunkley Shelton at all. I do like him. But when you compare his ADP, uh, which was 133 in February, I was 175 in March, 149 in April, it's pretty significantly higher. You know, it's, it's like, more than five rounds higher, five, six rounds higher. And I don't think he's definitively five or six rounds better than Badger. Um, so he's just, Badger is a guy that at cost, yeah, I, I would definitely prefer him over Bunkley Shelton. But I do, like I said, I do still like LB Bunkley Shelton. I don't even know if it's a case of better. It's just different. You know, Bunkley Shelton is going to be the, he's going to lead the team in reception this year. I feel very, very confident in saying that. I, I think that he he leads the team there. I don't know, maybe 65 catches. You know, I'm not sure how much volume because they have, again, a ton of mouths to feed and a very good running game between Rashad White and Deontay Diamante Trianum. And they're saying that uh, Nada's looked really good this preseason. They want to try to get him involved a little bit more. So, you know, a lot of running backs there, plus Badger, I'll be Bunkley Shelton, um, uh, Stogner, tight end. They, they just have. Is it uh, Con- Conyers? Conyers. I get the other, the other one from Oklahoma. I get those two confused every damn time. Yes, Conyers is there. Um, you have Johnny Wilson. You have Chad Johnson Jr. Like if they brought in that kid from Utah this year, Thompson or whatever. Like the that depth chart is pretty pretty damn stacked at at any sort of skill position stuff. But but Badger is like the Badger is more of an Ayuk in terms of you know his potential. Whether he actually gets there or not, I don't know. But he's he's just a more explosive guy. So I think he's got the higher ceiling, and LB Bunkley Shelton is going to be Mr. Dependable for the next couple of years. And then I think he's an NFL guy. I think they could both be NFL guys. Um, but I am starting to come around. Like I prefer LB Bunkley Shelton, but if I don't get him, I don't sweat it. And I just like you said, take Badger three rounds later or whatever, and I don't uh, I don't lose any sleep that night when that happens. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I like I like them both. I like Badger at cost. Yeah, yeah. And then I think, that, like we said, wide receiver is such a hard one. You know, you have some guys that you think you like, but you can put so many of them on the field at a time, and and situations are a little more fluid there. So those are the three that we have for wide receiver. Um, feel free to shoot us some names that you guys like. Um, we promise if you send them to us and we're in a draft with you, we won't snipe you on them. <laughs> we'll, we'll make that promise, but we won't promise that we won't then tell them to the masses. So yes, trade offs. Yes. Um, but we do it every week. So, you know, that, that's, you know, let's grow up a little bit and maybe help the community <laughs> out a little bit. Everybody. <laughs> so I, I know last week we skipped the freshman profile just because we had so much to talk about. Like I said, we talked for like three hours. Um, so we're bringing freshman profiles back again this week. Colin, you have – did I do Elijah Arroyo already? I didn't think so, but I'm it not – It doesn't more. matter. Let's hear Colin's take <laughs> on Elijah Arroyo. <laughs> um, I, I don't think you did. If you did, I apologize. I apologize to everybody if, if I'm stealing his, uh, his, uh, his freshman profile. We've, just, we've done so many of them, I forget who we do, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Elijah Royo is pretty far and away my tight end one in this in, in this incoming class here. Um, he's really the only tight end that I'm interested in this year. I don't think that much of Brinningstool. Don't think that much of Bowers. Um, I like Fidone, but he's going to miss. Right. They're, they're saying he might come back. He's going to miss the whole year. There's no right. sense in rushing that kid back. Right. I'm with you there. I like Fidone too. But like you said, torn ACL, missing that whole year you know so i'm kind of out on him there at least in freshman draft so it's, it's pretty much elijah arroyo or bust um i mean elijah arroyo is the number seven tight end in the composite but the number four overall um from 24 7 sports um four-star guy um you know he's it he was pretty highly recruited you know he's going to miami now but alabama wanted him auburn wanted him arizona state wanted him he had 24 total offers you know from from pretty much all the big guys there um, and it's, it's pretty easy to see why. Um, I mean, he's listed as 6'4". Uh, he's listed at 210 on 24-7 sports. But uh, I believe at Miami, um, they did have him um, listed a little bit heavier. I think it's at about 230. Um, I should have probably pulled that one up there. But, uh, you know, he's, he's put on some weight already. So I'm not as worried about that. Um, and then, you know, he has what I'm looking for in, in a tight end um, where – you know, he's got that wide receiver skill set. Um, you know, he's he can line up all over the place. Um, you know, he's he's got he's a hands catcher, he catches the ball very well. Um, you know, and he's got a a great contested a catchability in the red zone as well. Uh, you know, he he goes up, he gets the ball. Uh, and he's a good athlete after the catch as well, which is um which is something that I like to see there too. You know, tight ends don't always get the chance to to show what they can do after the catch, but in Miami's offenses, they they kind of tend to, you know, you have guys like Brevin Jordan there, guys like Chris Herndon before that. Um, you know, you have Will Mallory there right now who's probably going to get the dom, uh, you know, the, the majority of the snaps there, but they ran a good amount of two tight end sets last year. Um, well, from things that I'm reading here that they, there's a good chance that they may run um, two tight end sets again this year. And Elijah Arroyo has kind of jumped the other guys on that depth chart. Um, you know, Larry Hodges was injured this spring. Um, Dominic, uh, Mam Mamarelli, um, didn't really do much either. Um, you know, so it's sounding like Elijah Arroyo may step in, take that number two role there, um, which 
They said, so, you know, you, can, you can't expect a ton of production this year from him, but if he does get that number two role and he does get on the field early this year, uh, you know, I think he's going to be the next guy in the long line of Miami tight ends who are, are NFL bound. Um, you know, he just kind of fits what Miami, what you think of when you think of a Miami tight end. And those are guys that I like. Yeah, I don't think he jumps Mamorelli this year. Um, just because they they focused on bulking Arroyo up this spring because he's a Texas kid and his season went late and he came into camp a little dinged up. So they said, we're not even going to really have you do a lot of football stuff. We're just going to um, get started early on bulking you up a little bit. I, I don't I he red shirts this year. I've, I'm like, yeah, I don't think he, I don't think he plays enough games um, to break the red shirt. They don't really need him to. You know, they they liked me and Morelli a lot coming out. Like you said, he hasn't done that much yet, but. I no, I don't think he was like, like he was a hot name a couple of years ago out of high school. Um, now, obviously, you know, things change, but I, I think that he he plays over Arroyo this year and Arroyo red shirts, and then they kick him in the next year. And then at the second year, it wouldn't surprise me if he if he pushes Mamorelli as the tight end one. I just don't see it happening um, quite as early as we would as we would prefer. Um, Fair enough. Um, and I did pull it up here. Uh, he's bulked up to 235, according to Miami's website. So yeah, he still I, needs that. Still needs that a little bit of weight, but I like that a lot better than 210. Man, I've been bulking up too, and I didn't even need a uh, a college uh, strength and conditioning uh, program to help me out with that. Man, look at me go. <laughs> Sign me up. Um, so uh, for my freshman profile tonight, I chose Jaden Bray, the wide receiver from Oklahoma State. And I'm not going to name any names, but and this is this isn't you, Colin. So you can go you can go back to ignoring me. Okay. Um, w- when we were recruiting for the program this year, I added a couple names to the list. Um, one of them being Jaden Bray, and um, the person that was in charge of our list messaged me, and they were like, "Jaden Bray, Who, who's that? Like, why?" And even like this spring, he was like, "Why did you add Jaden Bray again?" I was like, "I like him. You know, I I see something there. He fits." he fits the archetype of wide receiver that they like to have at Oklahoma state, which is where he's headed. And I, I just kind of liked his game as, as a raw kid. Lo and behold, Jaden Bray shows up to the spring game this year and uh, goes four eighty five and two. Um, so maybe point Austin. I don't know. Um, <laughs> we shall see, but he's, he's a big kid. You know, he's six three, one ninety five. He's very raw. He was a basketball player up until like his sophomore or junior year of high school. He does not have a lot of football experience, which kind of shows with how they used him a little bit in high school. Um, uh, because he, they used him a lot, you know, deep downfield jump ball type situations. Um, and, um, you know, just kind of got the ball in his hands and let him, you know, cause he's a big athlete work after the catch. Um, and yeah, the the first comment I have written is that whoever filmed their high school games should just uh, <laughs> needs to go to a doctor and check to make sure if he's okay because the shaking and the inability to zoom in correctly was very very painful. Um, as I tried to watch him multiple times, um, but like I said, he's a tall, athletic kid. He's just a big target. He really thrives in contested contested catch situations. You know, he's a strong in the air. He's very physical, elusive after the catch. And again, like I said, you know, there's not a ton of examples of him actually being a wide receiver. It's kind of like Deion Smith, who we talked about a few weeks ago, who's at LSU, where, you know, you can see, you know, the the tools or, you know, like an artist can say they, they look at like, you know, the, the big thing of clay or whatever, and they can see the piece inside, but you still have to chip away all the edges and it's going to take some time. Um, 
But I mean, he, like if you look at his offer list, he was a late bloomer. He did, his offer list is is pretty pathetic, to be honest. It's Arkansas, Baylor, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, and then like SMU, North Texas, New Mexico. Like it's not a lot of big schools. But whenever I see Arkansas on a on a list, this is really weird to say on a list of like a big athletic receiver. I'm like, oh. Okay, Arkansas wanted them because you know they they've been they've had some really good luck with developing those big kids at the position the past couple years. Um, So I like Bray. I don't know that he starts or really plays that much this year. I think it's a red shirt situation, even with how they were raving about him through the spring. Um, But they don't have like outside of Brandon Presley, who's a slot guy. Like from what I'm hearing, they don't love their their boundary receivers. There, they're not like anything. Special. So again, I don't think he plays this year, but if he develops and continues to to build and, and grow as a wide receiver, then I think um, 2022 is a realistic target for him um, to start getting some touches. And, I, you know, basketball background. So I'll, I'll bet a little bit on him early. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, I, I'm not a guy that I know of either. Not a guy that was really on my radar until you put him on my radar. So I'm not going to pretend like I know a lot about him. Um, but you bring up Brennan Presley and you bring up the prototypical Oklahoma state wide receiver. Brennan Presley doesn't fit that. So as much as I do like Brennan Presley, and I think Brennan Presley is going to have a nice year this year. That's not what Oklahoma state typically looks at in wide receivers. It's not what they typically, uh, you know, that's not what they have been sending to the NFL the past couple of years. Bray does fit that a little bit more. Um, didn't they bring in two um, twins as well at wide receiver? I think green. They have a set of brothers there. I was not aware they were twins, but I mean that. I mean brothers. Okay, fair very, enough. Very possible. So I know they brought in those guys as well. Um, so they brought in a couple guys this year, which you know it kind of goes to show you that they're not a big fan of what they have on staff on on hand there already. Um, but. Yeah, I think that you know Bray is as good as anybody to take as a last round flyer because you like the Oklahoma State wide receivers there. Even just if they're not going to be NFL guys, they always put up big numbers in college. They kind of force feed one guy. They do, yeah. Um, and like the smallest guy that they've had that was relevant there recently was um, was Tylen Wallace, and he was still six mm-hmm. foot, and he had those long arms that made him big, you know, like effectively bigger than six foot. I think. Yeah. Um, it was, is it is it big wide receiver guy that's been talking about arm length and factoring it into to um, like height recently? Someone someone's been doing it. It's been really interesting work how they they basically factored in arm length to to account for some of those differences. And Tylen Wallace was like bigger measuring than um, than his his height suggested, which I thought it you know one of those things that I'm not smart enough to figure out. But when somebody <laughs> else figures it out, I'm like, oh cool, I'll use that. So that's interesting. Uh, I haven't I haven't seen that, so I'm not sure who that was. I, I know big wide receiver guy, and and that's what he is on Twitter. That's his name is big wide receiver guy. Um, for anybody who's not following him, um, he's been doing a lot of great work. Um, he is he's a great follow. Highly recommend anybody um, out there follow him. Yeah, no, I, I've I've been really been enjoying his work as well. Um, so I think that's it for tonight. Um, so again, thanks for tuning in here, guys. Uh, get your rates and reviews in. As, as per always, you never know when we're going to do another jersey giveaway. Um, so um, so so feel free to get your reviews in now, so they'll be counted toward that. Uh, beyond that, again, just continue to thank you guys for for supporting the website, for taking a look at everything over there. Uh, check out the other podcasts that we have here on the feed. You don't even have to go searching for them now. We're bringing them right to you guys. 
Um, but until a later this week, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And have a good week, guys.